Hey everyone, Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today. Maybe. Yes, sir! Michiana's sports leader, 96.1 FM, WSBT presents... Johnny, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! The Golf Show. I'm a big believer in fate. I have a good feeling about this. That's all I'm going to tell you. We welcome you to another installment of the Golf Show on Michiana Sports Leader, 96.1 FM, WSBT. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by John Foster. He is the general manager at Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. Tim Firestone is on assignment today, so filling in is former PGA Tour player and Notre Dame men's golf assistant coach, Scott Gump. Guys, good morning. Great to have you with us. Morning, Darren. Good morning, Darren. How is the golf games? Everybody good right now? We, I have no golf oh, game. Oh, no, no time for golf. No. Too bu- I'm too busy recruiting and getting organized. Ah, yeah. it's recruiting season. No, he really has. He's kicked it in full gear. And our, our new coach, is, he goes west, Scott goes east, or vice versa. Oh, yes. We actually crossed each other on, <laughs> on a road, I believe, somewhere. But that's, that's secret. Top secret. Top Can't secret. Top yeah. secret. <laughs> no, I think um, from an outsider, bystander standpoint, I've seen a lot of really uh, positive recruiting efforts from mm. our coaching staff this time of year. Okay. Yeah. So, And I know that part of that, too, is John's a little bit behind the eight ball. Scott kept things going while he was gone. But now that he's here, you know, he hears the clock ticking a little bit on some of these kids. So they've full been very active. Full steam ahead. Yeah. Full steam ahead. Yeah. Always always looking out for that next Jordan Spieth. <laughs> that's exactly right. And that's a good tease for our second segment Alrighty. because we're going to talk about John Handrigan, the new golf coach, and what the season is going to look like for the Fighting Irish. But right now, let's look back at last weekend, the 146th Open Championship and... You know, you think back to last year, we had that great duel coming down the stretch where, I mean, birdies galore, 63 wins it, Mickelson shoots great, loses the golf tournament. This year, I think there was a lot of drama and excitement just for different reasons. The play wasn't stellar like last year, but it sure wasn't boring, that's for sure, as Jordan Spieth ended up winning the Open by three shots over Matt Kuchar, and things started off very tough for Spieth as he bogeyed three of his first four holes. And guys, it sure seemed like listening to his post-game comments, he had put a lot of pressure on himself. And I, I got the sense that he came out a little tense, a little nervous, and bogeyed three of the first four holes. So I guess, Scott, when you have the lead after three <laughs> rounds, no matter what golf tournament, obviously right. the Open's a whole different ball game. Right. but is there a different feel? There is. It is so challenging not to forecast the future. I mean, when you're standing there with the lead, everybody wants to tell you how good you are and how well you're playing, and you know, and it's so hard not to picture yourself holding that trophy. Now, many sports psychologists agree you should picture yourself putting yourself in that position and getting the job done. But the challenge is that is an emotional thing. <clears throat> I mean, that feels unbelievable, especially when Jordan's already chasing all sorts of different things in the history book. 
So it's challenging not to get really excited about the what ifs and get down with hit shot number one and then hit shot number two and then repeat. Um, yeah, it's amazing. His skills off the charts at that age to be able to flip the switch. Uh, many, many players will get it, stay in that funk for an hour or two, and I swear he's he looks kind of feisty and upset with himself, and 32 seconds later, he's like, all right, time for execution. Well, he went to the 13th tee, tied with Kuchar at minus eight, and then the 13th was just absolutely an amazing sight as he hit the ball way to the right. He went up to where the golf ball was, and high grass, unplayable lie. And then I'm going to have you guys kind of pick up the story from here because he ended up looking around for a place to drop the golf ball, driving range. There are manufacturer semis in this area, so he's looking here, there, and everywhere. And he ended up being able to drop the ball on the driving range and took out like a three iron and knocked it close to the green and ultimately made bogey, which was, I think, a fantastic score considering how that hole started. First thing I want to ask is, on the NBC broadcast, Johnny Miller said a couple of times, I don't understand why he doesn't go back to the tee. And my first reaction was, why would you want to give up the distance in that mm. particular moment unless you have just went through all the options and you have no choice? I would like your guys' reaction to what Spieth did, and did he make the best of a pretty bad situation? Well, I think we saw during that round, I think he had a left or right wind, Mm-hmm. And and every time he was in a left or right wind, he hit this skank out to the right, just like he did that time. Yep. So the last thing he wants to do is go back the tee and hit it yeah. where he's standing in another unplayable situation. Like you said, Darren, you don't want to give up the distance. And he had options there due to the old immovable obstruction uh, and line of sight rules and area of intended swing. I mean, you kick a bunch of stuff in there, and he's got his choice of places to hit it. So I didn't think it was that controversial of a decision. I know, Scott, maybe you felt differently. No, I thought it was he, a fairly easy decision. I think the best part was there was a rules official there. I, I think uh, rightfully so, and everybody really looked at how long this is taking. Yeah. Believe it or not, in the rules, the tough. I mean, you are entitled yeah. to take your proper relief, and uh, the stop the stopwatch is not really on you, especially when the rules official uh, is right there helping you. So it was a strange, almost borderline mm-hmm. bizarre situation, but it actually was completely within the rules. I know for myself, when you take an unplayable, you can go back as mm-hmm. far as you want, and you know, taking a drop out of a water hazard also but but the point is sometimes you can see a thick rough but there may be a little pathway where there's no rough Mm -hmm. well if that's online Mm -hmm. with your drop place you can drop there and it takes a little craftiness Mm -hmm. and a little bit of you know uh, chess playing to figure out that hey that's where i need to go and i i don't think it's as good a product to watch on tv because it looks a little messy um but you know high big tournaments have these trucks and have these temporable yeah. temporary immovable obstructions so i mean there's that's high level golf and it did it was epic but you know what the great part was everyone forgot about that yeah. because what happened right after you know the thing that that helped them too and especially spieth they were on the clock and that suddenly took that away because now how do you put them on the clock? Because yeah. how do you determine how much time was spent doing on the ruling as opposed to slower play? Right. So it kind of got that monkey off their back a little bit. I don't know how much that bugs a player, but I think it does. 
I have been on the clock many times. I would not say I'm the fastest. I'm not the slowest. I'm not the fastest. Uh, I became a bit of a chameleon. Everyone speeds up a little little bit when you get put under the clock. Um, actually, I actually played better a lot of times when I got put on the clock because you really just, your decisions become very clean. Yes, you're absolutely right. It's another stress level. No, it's, it's sometimes it's hard to explain the uh, all the different things that are coming at you at you know coming down the stretch you know the world is watching i'm playing for history i just hit a horrible shot oh my gosh what is happening i don't want to lose this and then he executes brilliantly <laughs> mm -hmm. that's the part that you know all the high level athletes just you know yeah. shake their head and go wow it's interesting during the final round on sunday bones McCaw, the old mm -hmm. mickelson caddy who did i think a really good I job on nbc fantastic. i thought he was yeah. great great insight he told the story during last year's fourth round mickelson and Having a brain cramp. Yeah, it was uh, Stenson. Stenson, who ultimately won. One of the rules officials went to Bones and asked them to play faster. He told him to tell Mickelson to speed it up. Yeah. yeah. And he basically said, absolutely not. Do you see what's going that. on right now? What these guys yeah. are doing? You're yeah. going to tell me to tell them yeah. that? And he said, absolutely no way I was going to say a word. And there was no way they were going yeah, the to do anything. chicken the rules official. Yeah. His caddy said, do you mind telling that guy to speed up a little bit? I mean, improper etiquette. that yeah. was great theater. It was. Last year. And, and this year was pretty good, too. Yeah. I don't want to take anything away from Jordan. He got a lot of credit. I know on the Golf Channel and other golf media about the way he handled that situation and got the best out of the situation. Scott, would most golfers known what to do in that situation? Or did Jordan do something that maybe not a lot of guys would have thought about? Well, the best part about that was because they're in the last group and for whatever reason, there was a rules official there. And some of the majors, most of the majors, there's a little bit extra rules officials. John can okay. talk about that for the senior open. Right. But sometimes in a mini tour event, even a college event, uh, a slightly smaller event, we'll have plenty of rules officials, but it could take them nine minutes to get here and find you. Then you got to wave, and, and it takes a little bit of time. And the thing is, Jordan was able to dive into the options and then get immediate answers where if you and I were playing, then it would be kind of up yeah. for debate. So in a way, yeah. it, was, it was an interesting situation that even though it took forever, it actually was a condensed time mm -hmm. because in some tournaments, you can literally stop and wait till an official arrives, and that can be even more epic. Yeah, I will say this, though, and maybe I'd hate to say even in the professional ranks, but I think they, they can count, but we know in the collegiate ranks and high school on everyday play, Nobody knows the rules. Yeah. I would agree. Now, there is yeah. also the flip side of that, that if you have any doubt, and even though Jordan Spieth, I'm sure, knows what his options were, right. you want to bounce that off a rules official to make sure you're not making a mistake because the penalty is pretty dire. But I know I've done a lot of rules for collegiate events and some amateur events, and it's like Scott said, I'm sitting in my office, and the deal is here's the number to the pro yeah. shop. Call if here's you have a ruling. <laughs> and then I hop in a cart and go out there, and so it is. It was expedient, if nothing else. Yeah. The golf show brought to you by Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame and Blackthorn Golf Club. Scott Gump, John Foster, Darren Pritchett with you on this Saturday morning as we look back at last weekend's Open Championship won by Jordan Spieth. Spieth played the first 13 holes in four over, played the final five holes with everything on the line at minus five, made that spectacular eagle on the par five 15th that really put the momentum on his side. And like I said, the Stinson-Mickelson round last year was spectacular golf. Spieth closed out this particular Open Championship in fine style, minus five over the final five holes. And it's funny, 
I think, Scott, it was John and Tim a couple of times we've talked that there haven't been many signature moments on the PGA Tour this year. Spieth holding out, that goes into that category. I would have to think, guys, what we saw on the back nine of the Open Championship might be the signature moment of the year, although it's hard to top the caddy, you know, uh, Spieth celebration, I guess, for the people that like that. Yeah, right. right. But the way that all transpired and with the way the 13th unfolded, guys, I think that might have been the signature moment this year. What do you think? I'm, I'm voting for it. Oh, I would agree, and and we all know knocking in that bogey putt that yeah was, exactly that, and everyone agreed, and all golfers know yeah. All right, I, everyone feels that. I mean, many many players have hit an iron in there eight feet and then three putt and walk off with a bogey. Well, you know, Jordan just made the same score as doing that. Right. So he knew the power of that, and it's amazing the body language when he came off, and now yeah, he literally. Did something historic. I mean, yeah. it will be remembered for a long time. Yeah. I got to be honest. I was a bit of a doubter. You know, even though that remarkable year he had two years ago, uh, I mean, the, the numbers were great, but you think, okay, he's a, f- I don't want to use the word flash in a pan. He's obviously more talented than that. But I just wondered if he was the real deal. If he could uh, handle all the stuff that yeah, was going to come exactly. with. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I, I'm still, you know, you look at his golf swing and it's not picture perfect by any means. He got a very weak grip, you know. So, John, who's the yeah. number one rated iron player on tour right now? Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> it, ain't, it ain't me and it ain't you. Does that, does that ball know where how that grip is? You know, I know. I know. I mean, I just and again, I was a bit of a doubter. I really like the guy and he's very talented but yeah. I, I'm a convert now. I really think given those oh, circumstances wow. and what he did, I can't get the Masters out of my mind. Not yeah. only the one last year, but the one his very first one, when he snap hooked it in off of ten into the cabins, right. which I didn't even know there were cabins over there, it just makes you wonder, you know, what's this kid made of? And then he started the round, and you're like, okay, here we go again. Yet he put the brakes on that, and so God bless him. Seems like his caddy does a pretty good job too of well, that's a reeling yeah. him in from time to time. Yeah, yeah, which is important. Matt Kuchar, who has been a terrific player for many years, still looking for that major, played. Very well shot, 69. Very easily could have won. He had the lead on the back nine when Spieth was faltering. Just go back to the 13th. He had to stand and sit and watch for 25 minutes. Scott, your time on the PGA Tour, did you ever have to deal with anything like that? And what in the world do you do to try to stay in the moment? Because you're almost shutting off the engine for 25 minutes. It's called getting iced. Um, (laughs) I've had it uh, very, very small ways. Actually, the ones that are very memorable to me is I've had like four and five footers to make the cut on the number. And a couple times, I remember Mexico one time, a guy, bless his heart, he was going to miss the cut. And he was just doing the right thing, playing by the rules. We got to call a ruling and discuss and same type thing. And it's like time stands still when you're nervous. I mean, it's like, is this really happening? And, and it it's not easy. But that's sports. Look, in, in all different world of sports, all sorts of crazy things happen. And that's the key point, though. When you, when you become a crusty veteran, you, you, you just, you're prepared for anything mm-hmm. because it's going to happen. You play long enough, that's going to happen, or somebody's going to hole out shots. And, and, I mean, it just... That's sports. Yeah. Things things are going to happen strange out there. And I, I think the fact that... I, I think it was pretty obvious there was no intent there. Yeah. To, no. To, you know, and to, Smith apologized. And oh, no, he was did. like, it's he fine. You know. I'm sure Stephen A. Smith thought that was the wrong thing to do. <laughs> oh, dear. Golf aficionado. Oh, dear. Uh, did you guys hear where the guy called in to an English 
uh, sports radio talk show. No. And couldn't understand why everybody was booing Matt Kuchar. Oh, oh no, you're yeah. kidding. Yeah. And, you know, because the dumbest thing in the world is when they're doing it and the announcer says they're saying Cooch, like he's got to explain that. We've heard it a million times. Yeah. Sure enough, that's why they do it, evidently. I guess the guy was just absolutely so upset. How could they possibly <laughs> boo this guy? There you have it. So they got him in the UK as well as here. <laughs> You've got a call in radio show, Darren. You should know that. There are challenges from time to time. Yeah, there time are. to time. Okay, yeah. very good. But, but I learned a lesson when I worked at Camo X as a producer. We had a, a longtime host, and this sweet lady phoned in. I was the producer. I answered the phone, and she goes, you know, I just have a golf question. It's really simple. Would you mind if I asked? And I'm like, well, absolutely. So she got put up on the air, and she goes, I, you know, I'm just learning about golf. Is the PGA Championship a major, and why is it? And his answer was, well, of course it is. Everybody knows that. And she felt really bad. And I had like 15 phone calls I took off the air. People saying really? that was really rude what happened. Yeah. So I've always tried to. Yeah. Uh, yeah, there you go. You know, if somebody doesn't know. Yeah, yeah there you go. They're just trying to learn something. Well, so the fact that they're interested in talking about it is, is exactly kind of a good right. thing. Yeah, sure. that's exactly right. Yeah. So lesson learned in that particular situation. So Kuchar's still chasing that first major. Played very well. Scott, we have to bring up Roy McIlroy because yeah. John, oh, Tim, yeah. and I Geniuses. actually, well, mm. let's see. We were taping last week's show right. right as Rory was making the turn on Thursday yeah. at plus five. Yeah. And we got into a, a conversation, and I think it was a fair conversation, that Rory has been challenged by the media for a couple of years, including recently, about why he's not the dominant player he used to be, and we continue to hear excuses. And, and Nick Faldo kind of danced around it during the Open. Or I, no, not the Open. It was a previous tournament where he would say something. No, it was the Open. It was yeah. on the Golf Channel yeah. coverage. Well, I'm hearing through the tea leaves that da-da-da-da-da. Mm -hmm. So there's obviously something that's, that's holding back McElroy. And I made the point, I think it's time for Rory to stop making excuses. It's time to start playing good golf. If you're going to sit there and continue to make excuses, mm -hmm. and when the media asks you these tough questions, I think it's time to produce. And that's what we were talking about when he was plus five. Well, little did we know he was going to come back and shoot 68, 69, mm -hmm. 67, and shot minus five. So that was a 10-shot mm -hmm. turnaround. I stand by my comments, and... I feel as though if you're going to come out and make excuses, you know, you're going to have to play well at some point. And you know what? He played extremely well. And you kind of saw some of that form we've been hoping to see once again. Yep. I mean, it's tough I mean, being a, my, a great player because the media wants to know why you're struggling. No, I understand. But right? my, my whole take last week, and I'll stick by that, I don't think he cares that much about golf. I don't think he's passionate I remember you saying about that. golf. The way that Jordan Spieth is, J Jason Day. I don't know the guy. I'm just, you know, I'm, this is some radio guy making a comment. But I get that sense that he couldn't care less if he was number one in the world or number ten. Now, maybe I'm wrong. But he just seems so blasé about everything. See, I think that's a, that's like a Superman power. Yeah? Because hmm. they the he just is, oh, whatever. Yeah. So when you say, oh, whatever, do you feel more stress or do you take the stress off? Do you take the expectations down a bit and go, oh, you know, yeah, excuse. But it, is there enough drive there, though, Scott? I mean, I, I, 
he to reach number one in the world yeah. to continue to grind like that the Ryder Cups and everything else yeah. oh it's there oh okay. trust me okay. trust me he's not going to walk away but the best part is is when the caddy gave him uh, you know read him the riot act there that was the best part and he responded to that yeah so I think in the right I think he, the right stimulus will yeah. will get him going again. But yeah, it's uh, that's a different stratosphere of play, and I, I see what you mean. When you, he looks a little like, yeah. oh well, he looks like he'd rather be anywhere else than there. But yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, I think the point we made was it was interesting hearing Jason Day before the Open. He said, "I don't have it right now. Yeah, I'm just hoping I can hack it around, be close on Sunday, find it, and maybe." Yeah steal the victory. Right. I kind of like that attitude rather than Rory's kind yeah, of dancing right. around on things. And, and and I'm a big Rory fan. Don't get me wrong. I'm not picking on him. But I'm just ready for him to play really good golf again and, and have that attitude. You know what? I'm going to come out and I'm going to play well. I'm going to show yeah. you guys. And maybe this yeah. is the start of it after what he did at the Open Championship. The final topic I want to talk about from the Open guys from last week was on Saturday. Pretty good weather conditions. <laughs> if you listen to the NBC broadcast, they described... The golf course is gettable that day. <laughs> With all that being said, Brendan Grace goes out and shoots 62 in the third round, the best round ever shot in a men's major championship. He had 31 63s, and now we have a 62. And Brendan Grace said he didn't even know hmm. that was the record, which I have a hard time believing, but hmm. uh, okay. So when you think about the Open, you think about rain and wind and bad bounces and all those type of things... I haven't heard many people try to say, well, that was a 62, but it wasn't a great 62. To me, a 62 is a 62 in a major. How do you guys look at it? <clears throat> it is one lower than 63. <laughs> That's right. 62 is a 62. It is unbelievable. The British, all the majors, they set the courses up pretty similar now. It's conditions-based as, yeah. you know, how the scores go. But a phenomenal round of golf. I mean that—that's where I stand. I mean, just fine. I agree. I mean, I don't care if you're at Elbel on a Saturday afternoon. Sixty-two is pretty yeah. special. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's unfortunate. I don't think was he being followed. I wasn't really watching until later in his round. But if because he was pretty early that day, yeah, I don't know if he got yeah. a lot of coverage um, to really see the round develop. Um, but yeah, it was also nice to hear Johnny squirm a little bit about it. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna pull the no comment. Yeah, I know. That with Johnny, he's, yeah. he's yeah. He protects that 63. The grass is always greener. Yes, it is. He was pretty cordial through the whole thing. He made one comment that you know the the setup was pretty easy that day. Yeah, but 62 hmm. is 62, and I would just be curious, Scott, from your experience. Yes. And we got into this conversation last week, and I don't know if it was you, John, that said it, but I made the comment. I just remember watching the Open as a kid, and I remember the ball bouncing around on the greens yeah. when you putted the golf ball. Yeah. And last weekend, and probably previous years, I just didn't notice as much. Right. I mean, that ball was running just absolutely smooth as can be, like on a countertop. Yeah. So we got into discussion about that, and it was brought up maybe TV is leading to the Open Championship being a little greener because it was always hard to see the golf ball at times on the screen. Do you it think was, there's any validity well, to well, that? Well, also, just to follow up, Darren, yeah. what we said was there's a lot of pressure on the golf courses since they de they depend upon U.S. golfers, really, to subsidize those golf courses over there. Mm. The conditions... Okay, there you go. There's a lot of pressure for them to replicate conditions. You know, we all love rustic stuff, and I, I love going over there and playing in the rain and stuff, but... 
I don't want a golf course that really is not in good shape. And I think that sure. was the case with some of the open sure. venues. So I think it's that as much as anything there. And it's not that that's a bad thing necessarily, but at the end of the day, it is weather. Yeah. Yeah, it's very weather related. I, you know, I would love to know, and John may know this a little bit, but here's a golf topic I have not heard about much. I want to go hug and kiss the rollers. Yeah. The big machines. Yeah that make the greens really, really smooth. We have uh, one or two at the Warren. Two, yeah. Unbelievable what it does to the putting green because our lovely practice putting mm. green, I will watch them roll it, then I will drop a ball 10 minutes later and roll a ball, and it is like putting on a pool table. Mm. It yeah, is... It does two things. I mean, you pick up about, I don't know, Scott, you calculated one yeah, day. Yeah, you pick up there. about eight inches on the stint meter. Okay. Just for, short For every hooks. time you roll. You can yeah. double roll these things. Yeah. But you're not stressing the grass out by cutting the blades too low. So you can accomplish what used to be, have to have been accomplished through mowing the, the, the greens down and stressing them, especially this time of year. By simply rolling them, and it does this added advantage of smoothing oh, out the greens too, because due to footprinting and stuff, mm. greens do get a little bit uneven and bumpy. That is one of the number one yeah. factors, in my opinion, how scores go so much lower. Yeah, how do these guys shoot fourteen under? It's yeah. like, well, when you watch on TV, how many you know eight <laughs> footers? When it, when you see it online, yeah. it stays online. Well, yeah. go play at your local Muni on a Sunday afternoon yeah. and, and you know roll that ball and watch the Plinko effect of <laughs> the ball going everywhere. And only old people would know understand the word Plinko. But yeah, they, well, yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> and I mean, it was the Chambers Bay effect. They had that problem. Oh, there with see, the that was not enjoyable. You're right, though, Darren. Uh, watching that, that it, drove me nuts. Watching yeah. it on, uh, I remember the old ABC telecast. You yeah. never quite knew what was going to happen. It was pretty much a crapshoot. Now the worm that. can. That ball yeah. never no, moves. It's, I mean, it, it's beautiful. It's true. So... After hearing your comments, I don't feel like this is a dumb question now, so I'll ask it. First off, Scott, what was your final year on tour? Uh, my very last event was 2009 at the BoiseWeb.com event. Okay. I won it, and they gave me a five-year exemption. So oh, okay. First event was 1988. I Monday qualified for a uh, as an amateur for the Honda Open. Okay. So I'll use 2009 as the parameter. Okay. Now, everybody plays the same course, yeah. equipment, blah, blah, blah. But is it easier to be a player now compared to your final year on tour? Because of what we just talked about, the conditions, no. the equipment, or do you think it's any different? Uh, not much has changed, no. really. I know when I was back playing the web, I'd have to go back and look at the stats. But somebody said once, it's like five weeks in a row, the cut was five under par just on the web. Wow. I looked up Blake Barron's, uh, just a grad. He turned pro, and he told me he was going to go do some web qualifying out in Kansas this week. And you can look up the scores. A player shot 11 under and 10 under just in the qualifiers. <laughs> uh, the level of play is really good. <laughs> mm. But at the same time, my college coach, and I know I've, I know I've said this one on this uh, very station here, that... Uh, my college coach told me 30 years ago, the last thing I need is another 75 shooter. <laughs> so nothing has changed. Wow. Everything is like, I need guys who just break par, and that's it. And at the college level, yes. Um, the, the better athletes, the ball goes farther. Um, you know, we can go down that road a little bit. Scores are lower, but I think the scores are lower because of the rollers, because of the conditions. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, perhaps athletes are a little bit better. I think the money, my very first tour event, uh, the t uh, total purse was seven hundred thousand uh, dollars. What was it last week? Eleven. Oh, 11 I know. The winner got one point eight. Yeah. I know. 
Yeah, or so, maybe it was over two. And then it becomes the law of attraction. Where are people going to be more interested in that? So you're going to get better athletes. That's just how it is. The competition will spike up because you know, my career money list is, is pretty small <laughs> compared to the guy who finishes. Uh, I looked it up. I you know the guy 60, 70 on the money list is pushing mm-hmm. a million something. Unreal. Um, but you know, hey, that's the power of the game. I'm I'm yeah. I'm glad it's gone that direction. Um, but at the same time, is you know the good old do- days were they better? I don't like to compare as much because I know when you watch Jack Nicholas, I love watching the Golf Channel and those old swings. You just sensed he hit the ball very very yeah. far. Yeah, <laughs> it looks like it, a lot of speed. You know, it's it's interesting uh, on Faraday the other night. Trevino, the comment he made. Mm-hmm about the purses. They said they did did a back calculation of the the year he had when he won all those events, yeah. what the money would have been at today's purses for those same events. And it was just shy of Tiger's record, I think. When Tiger made 11 something, this didn't count in the FedEx right, right. cup thing. Right. Uh, I think Trevino was over $10 million. Now the real money that he made that year, I forget what the number was, but obviously it wasn't, no. yeah. wasn't no. as much. Yeah. So he was, he was a little feisty when they got talking, comparing <laughs> generations and stuff. Oh, yeah. And he was also very outspoken about Tiger's injuries, which he has always been. So, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah. Well, looking for athletes, so I shouldn't change my physique to look like beef then? <laughs> I should say like this? Well, that, that dude can play, though. He can play, I, though, can't he? He's fun to watch. Wait a minute. There was Craig Stadler in the day. That's true. I mean, it for yeah. you can find... Joey Sindelar? Yeah. Exactly. Oh, that guy, that guy hit the ball a mile. He Holy can sweat smokes. like crazy. He, <laughs> no, he still does. I saw him. We call him in, puddles. I know. I saw him in Salem going to the practice tee, and I was like, man, he must have had a rough day on the course. And I was like, hell, he hasn't even played yet. He's going to the practice tee. Just, yeah. Yeah, he stands there in puddles. He's in puddles. <laughs> I'll never forget Stadler putting the towel down oh, yeah. there you on go. the pine straw and there you go. Yeah. got DQ'd, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Or did he get a penalty? No, it's just a penalty. Just a penalty? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. That's a look at the Open Championship, and Jordan Spieth turned 24 wow. this week. Three legs of the career Grand Slam, a chance to close it out at the PGA in August down in North Carolina. We'll talk some college golf next. Scott Gump, John Foster, Darren Pritchett, The Golf Show. Brought to you by Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame and Blackthorn Golf Club on Michiana Sports Leader 96.1 FM WSBT. The Golf Show continues. Brought to you by Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame and Blackthorn Golf Club. I'm Darren Pritchett, joined by John Foster and former PGA Tour player, Notre Dame men's golf coach, assistant coach Scott Gump, joining us here on WSBT Radio. Speaking of Notre Dame golf, Scott, brand new head coach, John Hendrigan. What have you learned about John over the last couple of weeks? Very excited to have John come in. Um, You know, it's very hectic right now. Very hectic. Uh, When a coach comes in, number one, we only look as good as our players are playing. So recruiting, the recruiting world, uh, we've hit it hard. Uh, We've already been bouncing all around. We're both going different places here even the next uh, couple of three weeks. Uh, So it's a very busy time. So even diving into, I'm very interested in picking his brain. Um, That's what I've done my whole career. I'm always fascinated by how people do things, how they see things. And for him, coming from University of Florida, where he was the associate head coach, he had players that will absolutely be on the PGA Tour, not a shadow of a doubt. So, you know, how do you manage, uh, you know, a player like that? Because uh, they're going to have egos, and they should have identity, and egos should be strong. But with that, we are a group team setting. We're not just a bunch of lone wolves. We have to get along and, you know, have a common goal. 
So I am fascinated to learn even more from that aspect, you know, how he, uh, you know, sees uh, where our energy will be going and, uh, you know, getting these guys playing the best they can. Scott, anytime you change a football coach or a basketball coach, scheme gets changed and it affects players. Is there a big change with a golf team when there is a change in the head coach? I think no matter where you are, yes, it's new energy, it's new excitement, it's curiosity. Mm-hmm. It's a, there's always a bit of a honeymoon period. There's always a bit of, uh, you know, even a little bit extra respect until everybody kind of, you know, sees how things will be run at different expectations. You know, uh, I, in my college thing, I actually had two different coaches because I went to a state college and went to Miami. Mm-hmm. I had a guy who now would be fired. I watched him literally uh, pick someone up and pin him against a locker, and the player deserved every second of it, and he's in the Hall of Fame now, but uh, the coach is. But the point is, uh, you know, he got his point across. Didn't hurt the kid. Just just woke him up a little bit. Let's give it that way. And my other coach is in the Hall of Fame in Miami. Unbelievable guy. Uh, you know, he was the guy I invited to stay with us at the Masters when I played there as a pro. Uh, I think John is, he's already in conversations with the guy with me he cares about the guys an awful lot it's that we are a team yet he wants to know how can i get each and every player to peak to be the best they can be and that's where the energy is going to go what type of nucleus do you have coming back uh funny you should ask Uh, we have a lot of golf our golfers love golf it's a funny thing uh i do a summer newsletter where i try to keep track of where everybody's going i think july 10th was our record i think we had nine different players playing nine different tournaments all across the United States. Wow. I think even today we have a player playing a match play event in Idaho. We have two players playing at the Cardinal Amateur in North Carolina. Actually, I shot 65, finished second <laughs> at that event in my senior year, so I have fond memories. I have another player playing uh, in California. And so, anyways, they, they become jumbled in my head. But we have a lot of golf going on. I know John Felito, a freshman, he had three top tens in Uh-oh. a span of about nine days. He only one pro beat him. He had a top ten at the New Jersey Open, and then he played well in some other events. Um, but you know, it's about how they perform. When we put the little thing on our shirt that says Notre Dame, that's yeah. what it's all about. And just like we were just talking about, well, Dustin Johnson did pretty well, but that was a while ago. Okay, yeah. what's he doing today? And for me lately. You know, exactly. So that's our world. We're trying to get the guys dialed in. They've played over 80 events during the summer, so they are well golfed. Um, so we're going to go at it hard and throw them, throw them in the competition. It's what they love to do. I'm just looking at your schedule. I kind of like that La Quinta trip to PGA West. I could yeah. kind of tag along way on golf an there. To that yeah, that's one. not bad. But what very do you think nice. of the schedule this year? Well, for me, when I really take a look at it, our very first three, our very our first three events, we go to Kiowa Island, where they just happen to have a Ryder Cup and a PGA. Ooh. We go to Shoal Creek, where actually mm-hmm. I played U.S. Amateur there. They've had a PGA Championship. Then our third event is at the uh, Notre Dame Warren Golf Course, where they're going to have a national championship. Here, there's that's, a good guy that's a GM there. Yeah, yeah. I heard a rumor. He's okay. He's a player, too. He's a player. Yeah. So there you go. I mean, there's our first three. We are playing national events. They will be challenging. Are these guys going to be up for the challenge? That's our job, to, to get them ready. All right, September 11th, it'll all matter. Yes, it will. When they take on the course down there in Kiwa Island, South Carolina. We'll step aside for a second. 
I'll get your guys' thoughts on maybe a couple of tips to help our golfers out there listening on the golf show here on WSBT Radio, which is brought to you by Blackthorn Golf Club and Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame. The golf show continues on WSBT Radio, presented by Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame and Blackthorn Golf Club. General Manager at Warren, John Foster, former PGA Tour player and Notre Dame men's assistant golf coach, Scott Gump. I'm Darren Pritchett. Guys, a couple of thoughts for our listeners. For example, someone that's trying to break 90. They want to get into the 80s. I think that's probably a common thing, right? Are you picking on me here, Dan? No, of course (laughs) not, as far as you know. Yeah, exactly. So couple of suggestions. What could make the difference in someone shooting 92 and maybe getting to that 89 barrier? John, I'll let you go first. I'm not, I'm not trying to be flippant about this, but play the, play the correct tees. And I know that... No, it, that's a good idea. play yeah. the wrong tees. I watch it day in, day out, and a lot of people who are shooting 95 and are really frustrated with it are probably playing the wrong tee for their level of play and their handicap. So the whole idea behind golf is hopefully to enjoy it. So I know that does not address one's game and how to take two to three shots off, but it does. You know, I, I just mm-hmm. it's it's mainly among men too. You know, and the younger they are, the farther back they want to play it. And yeah, are you starting to see more seniors play those tees that have been created? for Absolutely. Them? Why Good. do you think we cre- you know we put those tees in place for that very reason? Um, and I've told this story before. We're gender neutral as far as our, our tees go, mm-hmm. the colors of the tees. Green was always the forward tee. Well, the, the old guys are like, that's the ladies' tees. I'm not going to play that. So they would play at the white, which was the men's regular tee. And then we had the championship tees. We introduced a fourth set, actually, which is blue. So we took the white tee markers. We call it regular men's. And we moved it. And I can have that tee marker six inches behind the green marker and they're up there playing it because it's no longer the forward tee. Hmm. So as a result, Darren, I mean, it's it's made the game more enjoyable for people. Mm. It's it's softened the golf course. No longer was Warren known as, you know, this because they would come out and they play 6,700 yards and their handicap's 30. Yeah. So um, I'll let Scott address the actual techniques <laughs> that will get you a couple strokes <laughs> off your score. I'm All just, right. Scott, the stage is yours. All right, let's think. You know, the easiest way for me is one of the easiest things to practice, lag putting. Hmm. If you can just two-putt holes, I guarantee you that is one way uh, you can lower your scores. And use your imagination. Picture a three-foot circle around the hole. So that means if you're left or right, you're only going to be a foot and a half. So when you're Hmm. having that 30- or 40-footer, that's your target, not to try to make the 30 or 40 footer. Can you just roll it down into that three foot circle around the hole? The next thing is it's pretty easy to practice. When you show up to a course, I know sometimes it's a little hard to get the big bucket of balls. Maybe you do have plenty of time, but almost every time you can drop some balls on the practice green and pick a long hole and think speed, speed, speed. Am I uphill? Am I downhill? What are the you know how fast are the greens today? You can do some simple thinking and reading the greens a little bit, and then feel how much energy does it take. Don't think making the how much energy should I hit the ball to make it go a certain distance. We've got about a minute left in this segment. What about shooting to the middle of the green no matter what? Oh, <laughs> brilliant. There you go. Mm-hmm. I'll just drop the mic and walk on out because yeah. I'm telling you, it's always right. it's, it's neat and sexy to hit in there three feet. But if you're interested in just lowering your score, that's it. It's yeah. phenomenal attitude. I, I've told this story before, but it, it rings so true, especially at Warren, when our greens are so small relative to other golf sure. courses. Um, it was in December. Golf course closed. One of those warm days. We had the, the pins out. 
and I went out and walked nine holes, had no idea where the hole locations were, and just shot lights out. I hit like seven greens that yeah. day because I wasn't concerned about going for a specific hole location. It's like, just hit it up there, and then you can figure out where the, the hole is. There's a lesson in that that I haven't exactly transferred over to my regular <laughs> game. You think that would have sunken in. But especially, I think, at our golf course, that's, uh, that is really, really good advice. Mm -hmm. yeah. Well, if we were able to hit it where we wanted it to all the time, we'd be playing for money. Well, you know, and, and I'm, I'm really curious to see, once the, uh, the seniors come to our course, what their approach is going to be yeah. on that golf course. They are not accustomed to greens. It's small. Mm -hmm. Let's see if they, they go for the suckers or, or they, they play it yeah. smart. Because mm -hmm. I, it's just because they played on tour for 25 years doesn't mean they're all smart. <laughs> so. That's right. We'll see. <laughs> Uh, well documented. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll wrap up the golf show next on WSBT. We wrap up the golf show with what's coming up at Blackthorn called 232 Golf for tea time, blackthorngolf.com. John, you'll take care of Warren Golf Course at yes, Notre Dame. I will. We finally got their 18th hole open up, ready for play. Uh, and it's really, it's an, it's the same design, but a new, it's a new hole, just based upon some of the features we put into it. So come out, check that out, uh, 631golf and warrengolfcourse.com. Open play right now. Open play, baby. And you get yeah. to play a course that's going to be hosting U.S. Senior Open. You bet. And you got all the gear still in the clubhouse. Well, and, and Senior Open gear in there, that's too. That's what I meant. Yes, we do. Fantastic. Yep. Scott Gump, great to have you in studio as always. Former PGA Tour player and Notre Dame men's assistant golf coach. Always a pleasure. Darren, thank you so much. I'm always learning. Very good. For Scott and John, I'm Darren. Thanks for joining us. This has been the Golf Show brought to you by Warren Golf Course at Notre Dame and Blackthorn on WSBT South Bend. Saltgrass Steakhouse is now open in Mishawaka. Wrangle up the crew and head down to Saltgrass Mishawaka for an unforgettable experience. Sink your teeth into mouth-watering, char-grilled, certified Angus beef steaks. Sip on ice-cold craft cocktails. And don't forget to try the famous Spicy Range Rattlers, all made daily in the Scratch Kitchen. Start making delicious memories at Saltgrass Mishawaka, 5126 North Main Street, across from Lazy Boy Furniture Galleries. Dine with us today.